a proud father, an obedient son, and a river. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible, Glitter, and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. Hey, Mary, why don't we start today's podcast by reading the Scripture. Let's read Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Sure. At that time, Jesus came down from Galilee to the Jordan River. He came to John and wanted John to baptize him, but John tried to stop him. John said, Why do you come to me to be baptized? I should be baptized by you. Jesus answered, Let it be this way for now. We should do all things that are right. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. Jesus was baptized and came up out of the water. Heaven opened And he saw God's Spirit coming down on him like a dove. A voice spoke from heaven, and the voice said, This is my Son, and I love him. I am very pleased with him. David, I love this passage of Scripture. I mean, it really just sets up the ministry of Jesus. I mean, here's this man that as a boy had been brought up by Mary and Joseph. I mean, he was kind of known as Joseph's son. But here, everything changes. This is a significant day, isn't it? This is when Jesus goes public. This is a significant day for Jesus. It's, in a sense, like a rite of passage, because Jesus's life changes here. Jesus before was obscure, and now he enters, in a sense, history. He becomes public. He goes public, if you will, at his baptism. So this is a very significant event, not only for Jesus personally, but for God's redemptive purposes that he has for his people and for the world. So, I mean, John has been preaching this message that he's preparing the way for the Messiah, And then when Jesus turns up, John, he has known Jesus, right? We we had this little discussion before our podcast. He knew enough about Jesus to know that it's really Jesus was the one that should be doing the baptizing. Right, but he doesn't know everything about Jesus. It's only at his baptism that it becomes at least more clear about who Jesus really is the one that he had been preaching about up to this point. So, I mean, this baptism for repentance or preparing the heart that John had been preaching to the people, he was saying, change your ways. And it's a little different for Jesus, isn't it? It is. I mean, Jesus didn't need to change his ways, if you will. He didn't need to confess his sins. When Jesus' response to John that he needs to do what is right to fulfill all righteousness, as other translations will have, this is the right thing to do because God commanded Israel to change the heart, to prepare their hearts for the coming of the Messiah, the one through whom God was going to rescue them and rescue the world. And Jesus, by doing this, he's actually identifying with the people. He's 
one of us kind of faces life the way we have to face life. He has he identifies with us fully in every single way, including this. So this was this was to fulfill what was right, what God expected, God commanded, and he was going to be obedient to God. So John the Baptist and Jesus, it says, go down into the water, and he's baptized. You know, in the children's illustrations and things like that, some of them have Jesus being, you know, dipped into the water, fully immersed in the water. A few of them have them go down into the water and then John the Baptist cups his hands and sort of sprinkles Jesus. But what does what does the actual word baptism mean? The word baptism originally in the original language, the Greek language, it literally it means to dip, to immerse, to plunge. That's how the word was used in the time of Jesus. So they did go down. They did go down, and yes, I think we can believe that. John put Jesus all the way under the water. And so when he came up, this is when some amazing event happened, right? A voice from heaven. I mean, it doesn't get much more amazing than that. Well, the heaven opened. That was kind of amazing, too. I don't know what that would have looked like. Yeah, we have to kind of do a little picturing in our mind, don't we? In the scripture, when heaven opens, something significant always happens. It's an earth-shattering event. This earth-shattering event, this voice from heaven. Now, okay, when I read this, I'm hearing a father and a son. I'm hearing God saying, this is my son. I love him. And that I'm very pleased with him. So I guess I'm reading this in a really personal way this relationship between God and his son, a son that wants to please his father and a father that is pleased and there's love between them. But you were just telling me earlier, there's a lot more to these statements. There is a lot more to these statements. In this voice that spoke from heaven, this is my son whom I love or my beloved son, as other translations have, is actually a quote from Psalm 2 which is a royal psalm. It's a psalm where God chooses David to be his king over his people. And so this title, Son, is actually that. It's a title as well. Uh, It's a royal title. And so this is another way of Jesus being announced to Israel as their coming king, the one whom they were expecting And the other one, I am well pleased, is actually a quote from Isaiah 42 in verse 1. And that's one of those well-known, what's called servant songs from the book of Isaiah, where the servant does God's will, is obedient to the will of God to bring about God's redemptive purposes. And in Isaiah, the servant is Israel, God's people, Israel. And so here we have Jesus as the servant. He He represents God's people. And unlike Israel, who failed to be obedient to God's call on their life, Jesus, as Israel's representative, is going to be faithful. And so that's why God says, I am pleased with him. So it's it's an allusion or a quote from Isaiah 42. So Jesus combines in himself and his person these twin titles of king and servant, son that God is pleased with. 
And that's very significant because Jesus is the one through whom God is going to bring about his redemptive purposes. God always intended to bless the world through Israel. Israel was the channel of blessing, but Israel so often failed in that. Israel was part of the problem, actually. So here we now have a representative of God's people in the person of Jesus, and he will bring forward and he will complete God's original intention of blessing all people, of rescuing all people through his people, Israel. And he does that in the person of his son, Jesus. So that is loaded. That's loaded. Okay. <laughs> so that's something those, to think about. So that scripture is loaded, isn't it? Those things that he said. But, you know, there's also another presence here. You know, I don't want us to pass over the fact that we have the Father and we have a Son, but it says God's Spirit came down on Jesus in the form of a dove, like a dove, depending on, depending on the version that we're studying. But that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all parts of God right here in this one place at the Jordan River. And that's interesting, even though Matthew doesn't explicitly say that, but just having the Father, the Son, and the Spirit together and interacting together is significant. And significant to begin the ministry, isn't it? When I was reading this, I was thinking about what better way to sort of start out on this purpose of being on the earth, you know, that people see that Jesus is doing the right thing. He's fulfilling righteousness. He's pleased his Father. There's love. There's obedience. And then this kind of stamp of approval, I guess, from the Father and the Spirit, this is major. And another thing that I did notice, David, is, you know, by saying, this is my son, that's a big difference for the beginning of his ministry, too, because up to now, you know, he's the carpenter's son. He People know him as Joseph's son, but this statement is it could not be more clear than to say, this is the son of God. He says, this is my son. And so God is proud of Jesus. Just to make a point here, this voice says this to the people. This is an announcement to the people. Uh, This is my son, that Jesus is being revealed now to the people about who he is. Mary, one of the things that I get from this, you know, first of all, Jesus was willing to humble himself and to be counted with God's people who were in need of changing their hearts and making things right and doing it in God's way. Jesus was willing to humble himself and if you could have use a little imagination, get in the queue to be baptized by John, just like everybody else. Jesus was willing to throw his lot in with his people, even though he personally didn't need to be baptized. He had no sin to take care of, but he was willing to identify with people. So that makes Jesus very appealing to me that he was willing to humble himself and do what was right, do the right thing. That mixed with that whole picture of kingship, you know, here is the king, and yet he's willing to be among the people. That's amazing. And that makes Jesus approachable too, someone that we 
can approach. He invites us to approach him, even though he is the king. I'm thinking about children, David, and talking about all of these things. Of course, there's so much in this that's very deep. You could spend, we haven't even touched on it, I'd say, but there are a lot of deep theological meanings in this passage. But I think when I'm teaching children, the one thing I really want to drive home is Jesus obeying God, but Jesus obeying God to please God. I think sometimes with children, you know, it's all about don't be bad, (laughs) you know, do the right thing, do good, don't do bad. And it's all do's and don'ts and rules. And of course, there's, there's some of that involved in growing up. But really at the heart of it, I see here obeying from the heart, obeying out of love, obeying out of wanting to please and to do the right thing. And that just puts a whole different meaning on obedience. It does. It's, it's true that we want to please the one that we love. And as kids, when they have a loving father, they want to do things to please their loving father because they want their father to be proud of them. That's right. And I mean, not all of us are lucky enough to have that loving father, but isn't that the ideal? Isn't that the kind of father that any man wants to be, wants to be that kind of father to his children? I think of our sons and You know, I'm proud of all of them, and they are not perfect, but that makes sense because they don't have perfect parents either. But I'm proud of all of them. I I see their accomplishments and who they are, and, and I'm pleased. I'm proud of them. But I'm proud, you know, even with the flaws and all of that. Can you imagine that pride that God felt in this son who didn't have any flaws that did everything right. What pride that must be. What love. You know, just looking at this from, I guess, from God's perspective, when Jesus does what is right, he's baptized by John, and then he says, this is my son whom I love. I'm very pleased with him. And this is at the beginning of his ministry, and it's kind of projecting into his ministry that God was confident. He showed us confidence in Jesus being faithful to his call in ministry about what he came to do. God had full confidence that his son was going to accomplish his redemptive purposes. And I think that's significant, too, that God put his full confidence in Jesus. Even before Jesus started his ministry officially, he was affirming his confidence in his son to accomplish his redemptive purposes for the world. Well, we've talked Bible Can we talk glitter and glue? Yes. Okay, great. I wanted to share a couple of things you could do in Bible class and teaching children. I mean, there's some crafts you could do. You could do a dove craft. Those are popular. There's a really simple craft where you get a paper cup, you cut a hole in the bottom, and you stick a stick through it, like a craft stick or popsicle stick through the bottom, and you have like a little picture of Jesus stuck to the top of that stick, and you dip Jesus up and down into that cup like he's being (laughs) baptized. No water in it, but just that being baptized. That's a fun craft. But, you know, I'll tell you something I did in a Bible class that always stuck with me. I contacted the parents before I taught this story, 
and I asked them to follow a format and, and to write some things down. So I taught these children, and then I said, all right, I want you to hear some of the things that your parents said about you. I took each child one at a time, and the parents said, I'll just say Mary. Mary is my daughter. I love her. I am very pleased with her. She is kind to her little brother. And then I'd take the next child and pull out what their parent had said. This is David. He is my son. I love him. I am very pleased with him. He reads his Bible every day. And you know, one after one, I read all of those things that the parents had said to the children. And there was, no one spoke. No (laughs) one talked. Everyone was just waiting to hear that claim from their parents that they loved them and that they were pleased with him. It makes me want to cry when I share that now because it meant so much to those children. And I'd suggest that is something that you could do in a Bible class with children. Children need to hear that their parents are pleased with them. They want to hear that. That confidence that praise, not just empty praise, not just a compliment, but an actual encouragement and a voice of confidence in them. That's really important. We all need to hear that. Well, we do. That's a great idea. Give confidence to children when they hear those words of praise from their parents. Wow. So what do you think in an adult class? Could you do something like that? Could the elders maybe speak into the lives of some of the members and say, I am pleased with you. I'm proud of you. And just speak words of encouragement. It's not an exact replica of this father-son relationship, but I think adults need to hear those encouraging words. Adults do need to hear these encouraging words. Definitely. We hear enough discouraging words and not enough encouraging words. And so, yes, The elders speaking these words of encouragement or affirmation, confidence to the members of the congregation, and or maybe a variation of that is just in a class situation, every individual will say something encouraging to someone else in the classroom. I love you. I'm proud of you. Pleased with you because, and then say something, not like you said, empty praise, but something true and significant. And it doesn't have to be a big thing, just a little thing. And it could be notes. It, it could be cards, people, in, you know, encouraging people to write cards that are meaningful, like even using that format that, you know, you are my brother in Christ. I love you. I am pleased with you because, and just say yes. something that you see them growing in or, or they're good at. I'm just going to throw in this one other thing. Just I love to use what I call God's tools when I'm teaching, and that means His creation. This all took place down at a river. I think it's important to say that to the children and bring that home. If you're close by a river, reference, you know, and just say, how do you feel when you're walking down to the Waikato River that's near us? What's it like? And to bring that idea in and so that, 
as time goes by and you're with a child and you see a river, you're able to say, oh, remember the story of Jesus being baptized? This river reminds me. All of those things for the rest of their lives can remind them and, and bring to mind some of these stories. Well, I've really enjoyed opening the Bible together and reading that scripture and talking about it. And that's what inspires me to teach, David. I, I want to go and I want to get in there with the children and help them understand and live out the scripture. And that's my prayer for all of our listeners, any one of you that are speaking to children. I just pray that you'll read the scripture and that will give you an excitement and a depth so that you can go on and teach children. And I pray that we as teachers of God's Word, that we want to please God with our lives. We want to make our Father in Heaven proud of us because we do know that He loves us. May God continue to bless you as you speak into the lives of others, into the lives of children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's Word with children. 